Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven and with me is Brandon this time. Brandon enjoyed his little time off as far as I know, unless, uh, unless you didn't. I, I did it because I uh, tuned into last week's episode and we had Sean on here saying that I set the bar pretty low, that mother... Well, Unreal. the good thing is, <laughs> on this episode, we're going to be talking all about the role that family plays in our lives. So this is going to be a very family-friendly ep- <laughs> friendly. <laughs> is it going to be an okay episode as far as grammar goes, or just simple English? I don't know. Starting off strong. Nice, it's a real nice family-friendly. <laughs> just a real nice family-friendly ep- Wait, is this purpose or is this accidental? Dude, I wish it was an accident. <laughs> it was a, it's a good family. <laughs> what is your deal right now? <laughs> I'm putting the podcast out of business. Dude, I quit the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Family. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> Do you want me to say you say it. All right. I think what Steven's trying to say is this is going to be a very family-friendly episode. I'm like legit crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's um, that's the kind of episode it is. See, this is what happens. I take a week off from working with Brandon, and then the next thing, I just can't even say it, basically. <laughs> he just so. falls apart completely. <laughs> I'm a wreck without you. I will say it's already kind of weird not being in the same place as you while we're recording this episode because we did, uh, what episode did we record? Oh, we did the one that was like a mixture of topics last time yeah. when I was here. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing that again, by the way. Oh, yeah. We got a bunch of those philosophy topics up in the Trello board, so we'll have another one like that soon. But Yeah, let's definitely do that soon. We have a, a special... Special episode coming next week. Steven and I needed some time away. You know, we've been just working our butts off, and he's going to Philadelphia. You know, he came to Minnesota a couple weeks before that. You know, I was crazy busy with school. So we're just like, you know what, let's just take a a week off. And we have the uh, fan famous. (laughs) No, I don't even know how to fucking talk. (laughs) The fan famous? What? (laughs) Wait, no, what was I going to say? The uh, fan favorite, <laughs> fan famous one, the fan favorite guests, Tim and Gentry, will be making it back to the show next week, and they did they did call in to leave us a couple voicemails. Should we should we play those off the top? Yeah, let's definitely do that. All right, so the first one came from Gentry. Uh, next week's episode is on time travel, so let's hear what he had to say. Hey y'all, this is uh, Gentry just calling in. I know my dad. Uh, really wanted to let you guys know we're real excited to be back at the Everything Must Go podcast. I, I'm really nervous, to be honest, about us doing a topic like time travel because, you know, I, I don't know much about time travel, and I sure as hell know my dad don't know nothing about time travel. I, I, I'm just nervous about what he's going to say. I'll do my best to to keep him under wraps. I, I mean, it's, it's probably going to get pretty crazy, but if you guys need us to talk about that, we'll talk about that. So. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Yeah, we're we're real happy to get have him uh, back on here. I I know he's gonna do a good job again. I am nervous though. I mean, he's nervous, so I'm a little nervous that he's nervous. 
Uh, why, why do we have them do time travel? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they, let's pick, like, the most complicated thing to talk about. Are they qualified? I don't think so. I think Tim is. Tim also left a less... <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. I can't say any words. Tim also <laughs> left us a voicemail. Hey, uh, yeah, it's Tim. Um, I'm trying to prepare for next week's episode. About time travel, wanted to know if you knew any good books that maybe Gentry and I could read, and uh, wanted to let you know if uh, we're really excited. Uh, but yeah, especially let us know about the books. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Well, there's further confirmation that Tim uh, is not prepared. He's asking <laughs> us for books on time travel. Dude, let's get the man some books. I'm sure. What isn't there? Uh, there's like a couple of famous books about time travel, right? I don't know, man. If you want to send him those books, go right ahead. I feel like books are more your I, thing. Honestly, though, like they're not really either of our things. Honestly, though, I'm not. I don't picture Tim as much of a reader. That's just kind of my my first impression. Me, me neither. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. Um... So on the topic of this episode, because we, we should probably start talking about the actual episode itself, I want to say, first off, thanks, uh, Sean, for last week. Thanks for filling in. Um, but in this episode, we're going to be talking about family stuff. And the first question on here, Brandon, I really, really like this. Let's dive into it. What role does family play in your life? So family for me has always been super important. Um, I... We, I grew up with a family where we were all really close to each other, and we used to have a lot of conversations. I think part of the reason why conversation comes very naturally for me is because of the, um, the encouragement that my parents had for all of us to talk through things. Uh, my whole family is filled with talkers. Now, we're also really loud because everybody is a talker, and maybe we all need to work on our listening skills a little bit. So, and we all always think that we're right. So that's something that definitely comes with having a family like that. But the role that my family plays in my life is they're definitely um, a huge priority for me. It, it's something that I make sure I, I try to maintain and I've not always been the, the best at doing that. Sometimes I've, I've put things ahead of them in my life that I, I wish I could go back and, and reorder. But I'm always trying to uh, maintain those relationships and strengthen them. And I'm also the oldest in my family. My parents had me when they were 16. So there's a little bit of this. I kind of come from a statistic that you don't think is going to make it, but my family's still intact. And I have a big responsibility I feel like as the oldest and I have three younger sisters so I'm like the big bro and uh, so I definitely feel a lot of responsibility within that role to to pave the way for my family and show them um, responsibility and uh, things of that nature but what, what about you? Um, well family plays a big role in my life um, as somebody who has lived away from his family the vast majority of ages 19 up until now uh, I still talk to my family pretty much every day on the phone. I'd say like six days a week. I might miss a day over the course of the entire week. But I pretty much talk to them every day. A lot of times it's multiple times in a day. Um, the reason why is I come from a very much like a, a nuclear family. Like my parents have been together for about 30 years. And family has always been a massive part of my upbringing. Um, 
there's definitely a little part of like that Italian way where you know both of my parents are Italian and um, there is sort of a, an emphasis on family and when I say an emphasis on family like I think everybody says there's an emphasis on family so let me like specify a little bit more of what I mean for example my extended family will put together like huge Christmas parties like just for example on just my mom's dad's side of the family every year there will be a holiday party with like 60 family members Oh man. like that's just one side of one side of my family and that's like a normal turnout like it could be more or could be less but like it just gives you an idea of how connected everyone is and I'm really like the first generation that has moved um, I mean you could make the argument the generation that a lot of us moved from Italy to the US was obviously pretty pretty monumental to starting a new life here but in yeah. terms of the family like now that we've like been in America for a while like Everybody has lived relatively close together. If if people get like second homes, it's near other family members. Um, it's always an emphasis on going to visit your your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of decisions, a lot of times, get made by talking to other members of the family. So word gets around. Like I'll be hanging out with my grandma, and she'll be talking about like, oh, you know, your third cousin, blah blah blah, did this and that, and lot of really good uh, family stories that have gotten passed down from generation to generation to, to just paint a little bit of the of the background and another thing is my family pretty much everybody like gets married which doesn't sound like it's worth mentioning but I feel like I say that because there's definite expectations on how to do things like what religion you are um, the, the customs that you do so it's it could be a little bit judgmental at times if you fall outside of that norm yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't even think about the, the cultural aspect because there definitely is a difference between, you know, where your family comes from versus mine. I, we, we've When I was younger, we used to do really big family gatherings for Christmas and stuff. Uh, but a lot of my family lives in Iowa and, and um, it's like a really long drive, so we didn't always go. And then we would go back and forth between my dad's side and my mom's side. But it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you've stayed pretty consistent with like how you guys celebrate holidays and stuff it's always gonna be this way yeah and it's actually it's one of those things that unfortunately you know my generation is kind of the first generation that some of us have moved out of out of ohio and, and have gone on to do other things which is going to make it and it's something i think about a lot it's going to make it difficult to keep up some of these traditions in the future and how do you not feel to say about it's that? impossible it bothers me a lot to yeah. be honest it two things that bother me a lot one the fact that um, I don't know how much of this will be able to, to stay together because of the distances. And two, the Italian side of like the culture is pretty much going to be lost because I'm the last generation that actually is connected to the actual country of Italy. Like I actually knew my family members from Italy, but like after me, it like that's the end of that. Like they won't know it anymore. And like that bothers me a lot. So yeah. I think about that. That's interesting. When it comes to you making decisions, let's say, like, you want to make a pretty drastic move, like, and I mean, I'm, I'm not specifically just saying, like, oh, moving to Chicago. I mean, like, any decision like that, like, going to get a new job, going to, you start dating someone. How much of a role does your family play in big decisions like that? Like, do you tell them right away? Like, what what is that process like? Um, 
Well, I mean, I guess I could use the Chicago uh, example to to paint a picture. For me, the thought process of my family definitely comes into play, and uh, whether or not I want to live close to them or if I'm okay with branching out, a, a big part of me has felt like um, my I've felt my family is strong enough to be able to uh, withstand the move away or <clears throat> we've experienced it before because I used to live in Nashville alone and while well, they were living up in Minnesota so we've kind of been through that rodeo and now I live in you know Rochester while they live up in the cities and and so it's like um, we, we've kind of experienced this and so th- that part of it doesn't really come into play as much as far as making the decision the way I see it is uh, you know I'm an adult now and I, for the most part, not that if you talk to your parents about it, you're not an adult. I, I definitely don't mean that at all. But for the most part, I, I kind of try to think of uh, of my life and, and the pros and cons of things and, and lay it out uh, for myself and what's going to benefit the life that I want to lead. Now, my family is definitely part of that in my own mind, but I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily seek out their counsel for decisions like that. I, I'm pretty independent on that. Maybe even you could argue to a fault. Um, and I think that my family probably would say that it gets frustrating sometimes that I try to do that stuff on my own. Um, but there, I, I would be lying if I said they weren't always in the back of my mind when I'm going to make a big decision such, like that. And um, I, I always get a little wary about I, I hope that they don't take this as I don't care about them um, but at the end of the day I feel like I I have to I'm the only one that's going to be on my deathbed when I'm old and gray and I'm, I'm the only one that's going to have to live with my decisions and so the the path that I'm paving is the one that I need to pay attention to like what am I doing I can't make decisions uh, for their sake and I don't think that they want me to either they, they would say firsthand do what you feel like you got to do even if they might not necessarily agree with it they understand that concept so what about you um yeah so my family I would say as I've gotten older I've kind of tried to separate myself a little bit and I mean I think everybody should do that to be honest with you because as as great as it is that your family might be close to you and want to have a role in a lot of the decisions in your life I also feel like you want to make sure that you're making decisions because of you. Like they should, you should maybe think about them, but ultimately it still is your life to live. And I've had a really tough time trying to separate that in the past. Um, But I will, I have no problem mentioning like, Oh, you know, I'm thinking about getting a new job or looking to my family for advice on something, because I do think as annoying as sometimes your parents can be, they they know more about certain things because they've been around for longer. Uh, so I do think it's good to, to talk to them about things, especially because I've been pleasantly surprised on like similar scenarios in my parents' life. Uh, but also, you have to keep keep in mind that your parents, as Brandon has said, like they in in a past episode, like they lived during a different time. So some of the things that they think may be wrong and may not actually be what is best or right for you at the time. So well, I will tell them things. Th- there's also that bias that you get. Like, I, I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but when you <laughs> create a human, yeah. I have to imagine you're really going to be uh, 
territorial over the decisions that they make, and especially if they're going to leave you. So I, and yeah, so that, I just wanted to throw that in there too. Yeah, no, I and I, I get that. That's why I say I don't know what it's like to be a parent, so I don't speak to certain topics because I don't think that I should or have any right to speak to it. Um, but yeah, like I will definitely. I, I think I'm I'm more open than a lot of people probably with their parents because I think it's good to build transparency and communication and trust on certain things but at the same time you have to know when to draw the line because there's been times before where I'm just like I shouldn't have even gotten into that argument Uh I should have just kept that to myself and made that decision without even going to them Uh, but at the same time if you have the ability to have a good enough relationship where you can go to them on pretty serious topics like that's good so yeah well and I don't mean to convey this idea that I don't talk to them at all about stuff. Like I definitely will seek counsel from my parents on things, especially if it's something I'm really struggling with. And even with the the Chicago decision, I I mainly made it on, on my own terms, but um, there were things that I had mentioned to my family that I was thinking about. I just didn't really, that wasn't one of the things that I seeked their counsel on. I was just kind of keeping them posted on this is kind of where my head's at might be happening here pretty soon. Me making the decision. And then I made the decision, so. Totes, dude. Totes. That's how I talk now. Move on. <laughs> Podcast is going well. to business. <laughs> God, if I actually ever do start talking like that, I give you permission to kick me off the podcast. I'll, I'll replace you with Sanjay. Okay, good. Sanjay's better. If you don't know who Sanjay is, check out episode 54. 20 i don't know what episode it is but <laughs> the alien episode <laughs> there's an episode about aliens uh so sometimes life gives us the perspective of the grass is greener on the other side do you or have you ever thought life would be better with a different family dynamic brandon let's hear it well there's definitely been times in my life i think my angsty teen years where i was just like gosh mom and dad get off my back let me just do what i want to do you know and yeah. uh <clears throat> And there, ha- there have been certain things that I think that, uh, based on how close my family is, um, I think there there has been a little bit of me that maybe part of my faulty independence <laughs> is in somewhat of a rebellion to like how intertwined everything was. Um, but honestly, if I'm really looking at it, like I wouldn't be who I was without how my family dynamic was. And I know I know that's a, like the easy way out. That's the, well, I don't have any regrets because everything happened for a reason and, and that's exactly why. But it's it, it, there is an aspect, like I love my family. I love even, you know, if I get in a fight with one of my sisters, I, I love them and I'm going to try to work to, to get past this thing. And uh, I think for the most part, we can all expect that same thing from ourselves. Like, you know, we're not, definitely not perfect, but I think there's a big part of us that even when we're wrong, we'll take a step back and think about it and come back and actually have a conversation about it rather than just burying things under the rug. And I think I would have a really, really hard time being in a family that buries things under the rug. Um, so I, I appreciate that aspect as a lot. Yeah, dude, the, I could definitely not deal with people who – bury things under the rug I I cannot stand that I'm all about putting things out there in the open and talking things through Uh, I think the the family dynamic that would have been I'd been maybe the most curious to know how I would have done is what if I came from a family that really pushed creativity like very creative types um 
pretty much if very similar interests to me because that's probably one of the differences. I have like a lot of similarities with my parents in terms of like I don't know, just like basic characteristics, but I'm the only person in my family who does anything artistic really. Like I I'm, I'm saying like my immediate family. Like I'm not talking like anything branching out beyond that, but I would have been been curious to know if I came from, like, musicians or something. Like, would I have played the guitar from a young age, and would that have been a big part of my life? Or, I don't know. And and would I have have played sports at all? Because, like, I don't know. Because I'm not particularly, like, that good. Like, I'm okay at sports, but, like, I wonder, since I was never going to be amazing, if I never just played them at all, if I would have spent that time doing something else. Like, as I said, like, playing the guitar or, like, I don't know. (laughs) Who, Who knows whether what artistic things I would have done, but it would have been interesting in the same way that, like, what if I was born in Los Angeles and everything that I am interested in now was right in front of me? Okay, like you're, all the content creators. You're taking this question out of context. Talk about your family dynamic. Not If we would have been born in Italy instead of... <laughs> Dude, if I was born in a box... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, I don't feel like this is necessarily out of context. It is. I'm You're just talking all, about I've grown up in different places. The Dude, <laughs> it, connect, it connects. <laughs> Think about your specific family dynamic. How does your family interact with each other? What roles do you play in your family? What if that would be different? How would that be? Uh, well, I would be curious to know, like, <laughs> any, any, like, different situation would be interesting, but, like, if I came from a family where, I don't know, my, like my dad is definitely the big personality in the family. I would be curious to know what it would be like if in my family both of my parents were just like super hippies or something. <laughs> super hippies. <laughs> like they were just so chill. Like Because my dad is one of the most intense people about things. Like he's super just intense about everything. Mm-hmm. I would like to know what it would be like if it was just – uh, like someone they just like hand me a joint at like twelve years old, like hey, like just enjoy, dude. Like I don't know what that would be like for me, because I'm an intense person, but I wonder how much of it is impacted by my actual environment and family dynamic that I've had. So, so I think that would be super interesting. So are you just saying that might be interesting, or do you think that might be better than what you had growing up? I think what would be, I I don't really, I, to be honest with you, I think that my family dynamic was about as good as it could have been in a sense um, because having an intense dad kind of made me want to push myself extra hard on things and to be um, very not easily satisfied with my performance on anything. Um, Whereas my mom is very, very laid back and just is like, enjoy your life, like just whatever you want to do. And I feel like that balance was really, really nice because I can look at both of my parents and be like, neither of them is necessarily better off than the other because, like, they both find happiness in just different things. And I feel like that that balance has allowed me to see that there's times where it's okay that I take a step back and I live in the moment because I don't think that my dad does that very much. I feel like he's he's always in work mode and he can't really, like, turn it off where... I definitely love like to work and hustle on things, but I'm also just fine turning that off and and trying to live in the moment sometimes. And it's a good balance that I have. I think that be, came from my family dynamic. Well, I, I definitely do think about 
you know, with my parents having me so young, there are probably some of those early years that I don't remember much of that <clears throat> probably have had an impact on me a little bit, um, you know, whether they're for the better or for worse. So I would be really curious to see, had I come from a more traditional standpoint, how different of a person I would be. Um, just because we were moving so much when I was a kid, obviously teen parents are you're growing up with your parents essentially not that your parents ever stop growing up but um that would be one thing that i'd be curious just if you could take me out of the situation that i actually came from and and place me in something different how how would it have impacted just who i am like my my genes and overall personality and whatnot so i I think one of the things that we have not talked about in this topic that I think is worth mentioning is I think that both of us, we've talked about this before, our ideas of love and like finding the right one have both been skewed from our uh, family dynamic. For example, your parents met at 16, or before 16 actually, and you know had you and actually are still married. Like that is obviously an extremely um, uncommon thing that you see in those circumstances. And I, my parents, they met at 16, and they're still together. And I feel like that definitely has effect, an effect on your idea of what a family is supposed to look like. Because both of us, I would assume, are surprised to be 27 and not only not have a family, but just be single guys. I feel like that hasn't had an impact well, on us. Well, that is very interesting because you could probably argue that people from broken homes, homes from of divorce are probably more hesitant to like pursue love or, or have that commitment. Um, whereas you and I probably came from this place of, oh yeah, love is awesome. Look at our parents. Our parents made exactly. it. Everything's fine. So I think in a lot of ways we've put that on this this pedestal of like this is the thing that you got to pursue. You, you know, you get with a person that you can kind of go through the adventure with, especially because our parents have been together for so long. So you don't know anything else besides what life looked like together, uh, you know, and so – um, that I definitely think is a very interesting dynamic that has impacted, I think, not only the way that I perceive love, but how my perceptions of love have gone into relationships of people who might have been from broken homes or not been able to uh, see things exactly the way that I do. And that one, the, the one other point I want to make on this is that grass is greener idea. I definitely think in my, in the past, I have looked at the grass might be greener if I came from two very creative parents and like and a brother or something who who was all into it. My brother actually is also pretty creative, so I feel like I, that has been something that's been nice to have like one other person I can talk to about my ideas with. But I think I've thought that the grass might be greener in the past. I think I've kind of started to change my view a little bit. But I've been like, wow, it would be really interesting if like. I had a parent who wanted to be in my YouTube videos or thought this was something that they would they could like give me pointers on or be a part of this. But I also kind of feel like maybe I kind of was better off not having that be the case. The more that time has gone on, I kind of like that I was pushed to do other things and, and did other things um, completely separate from this. I don't know. Yeah, that was a good thought. We both live away from our families, so I'm curious what your thoughts on how to handle that situation. Like, what are your thoughts on how we should stay an active part of the family or even what it's like to be away from them? 
my thoughts on handling the situation is I do feel there's a slight obligation um, to stay in touch with your family. And I absolutely cannot stand when someone says, oh, you talk to your family like every day. Like I only talk to my family like once every two weeks. I'm like, OK, sweet. Like great comment. You want to brag that you talk to your family less often? Are you better off? Like what? What? <laughs> Wait, who to says me, this to you? It's, Do people actually say this to you? Yes, people definitely say it to me. They think it's weird that I talk to my family as often as I do. And I'm just like, okay, I have like have moved away from my family um, for a big part of the last like eight years. You, to me, the least that I can do is talk to them. <laughs> Especially, it's not like something that I don't enjoy doing. It's nice. They played a huge role in my life and I want them to continue to play a huge role in my life. So of course I'm gonna talk to them. And do I feel like a slight obligation to do it too? Of course, they've given me so much in my life. Like no matter what your relationship is with your family, they still gave you life. (laughs) There's still an element of they did things for you when you didn't have the ability to do it. Now I do think that some people, some parents might take advantage of that and kind of hold that over their kids' heads, but well, and we come yeah. from functional families, so there are probably a lot of situations. Like, I'd be curious if we had a person on this show who came from a highly dysfunctional family because I don't think they'd have the same point of view that they did stuff for me. You know, there's a lot of toxic situations out there. Where yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. I'm not trying to, to take away from that point. I, I'm just saying that, like, depending on your 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 situation in it, like, I have a reason that I feel obligated to like keep in touch with them. And I feel like based on what your family has done for you, you're going to feel some obligation to have a relationship with them. Like it's, it's very rare that I can see situations where somebody wants nothing at all to do with their parents. Like it happens like all the time it happens, but it's usually, there's usually a good reason behind it when it does happen. So if you don't have one of those reasons, yeah, I think it's completely normal um, do you feel and, a, do you feel a pressure to like be close and in, in proximity to them? But do I feel like I need to do that? Yeah, like because I mean you've lived away for a long time. Is there any part of you that's like this is a temporary thing? I can't live away from them forever. Like I I'm gonna need to move home. Yeah, I mean I, I absolutely get that feeling all the time where I'm just like, okay, is my goal in life to figure out what I'm supposed to do and then move back to my, like, sometimes I've wondered, was my goal to be raised by my family and then to go on this journey to learn everything that I can and then find someone and then move back to where I started all again and then recreate that exact situation for my kids? Like, is that what I feel like the intended purpose of how I should do my life is? I don't know that that's fully how I think I should do things, but in a perfect world, yes, I would be able to live by my parents, my family again, um, because there's a lot of good to it. If you have a good relationship with them, I don't want to spend all the time with them. I don't want to live in the same house as them, but I wouldn't mind living as neighbors with them even, or like in somewhere in, in relatively close proximity. I think there's a lot of good to be said by it, but at the same time, you got to make sacrifices sometimes. So it may not work out perfectly. What, what about you? Cause I, uh, your situation right now, like you're away from them moving to Chicago, obviously you're going to be away from them. You haven't always lived by your family, but I know that in the past you've made comments before where you were away from your family and you you kind of like missed the idea of seeing your sisters grow up. So I'm just kind of curious where you stand on that, especially now that 
your your sisters are older and, and you're just at a different point in your life. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a good point. Like, when I was living in Tennessee and I'd see pictures of them and I couldn't see all the stuff they were going through, that was definitely something that impacted my decision. Uh, I mean, the biggest part of my decision to move back to Minnesota was I wasn't really able to do my pursuit of music the way I wanted to, being a general manager for Jimmy John. So it was like, I need to get out of this place, but I'm in such big debt that I have to have a job like this. So I ended up moving home so that I didn't have to have a, because I could live rent free in my, you know, under my parents' roof. Um, but a big part of it was this idea of uh, being close to my family again and uh, just being able to be part of those memories. I will tell you that, you know, my, my youngest sister, she's graduating high school and I'm going to be moving to Chicago. So that's definitely something that's on my mind. Like, I need to do a really good job of taking trips back so I can see some of the stuff that she's taking part of. And I really, really hope that she doesn't feel that I care about her any less because I'm making this decision. That's something that weighs on me. Um, but I think, again, a, a big part of, of my thought process is uh, as much as, as close as my family is to me, they are not the ones that are going to be on my deathbed with me it's it's only going to be me i come into the world alone i leave the world alone that's that's like how that's kind of my philosophy on this stuff so ultimately i want to take what they have given me as a person and use that to pave my own way to create my own legacy and um i just try to keep that in mind to stay strong with pursuing whatever i want to pursue and um and with that comes that obligation of, okay, but if I'm going to do that, I need to do a good job. Steven? <laughs> Zoning out in the fucking webcam. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are just all over the place today. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. Anyways. <laughs> Doesn't sound like me. Uh, go back. Check the tape. I'm checking the tape. I'm going to post that on Instagram just like I did last time. You were zoned out for it, so long this time. <laughs> Anyways, so I hate that you think this. <laughs> so I, I I do feel a responsibility, especially as the oldest in the family and as the big brother, to make sure that I'm in I'm uh, staying in touch with my sisters. And by no means do I I think that it's a burden of any sorts. I I like I want to have that role with my family of, of being the person that makes the effort to make sure that we all stay in touch, even though I'm away. Like, cause I've experienced a lot of this stuff before by living in Nashville and seeing, you know, a little bit of frustration in my family cause I wasn't fulfilling that role. Um, and so I don't want to make that same mistake. I want to work really hard to make sure that they know that I love them and care about them regardless of me off doing whatever I'm doing. And there, there definitely are thoughts that come into my head of like, you know, am I, am I overthinking this, this whole, like I have to do something to pave my way. There, there are definitely those ideas that come into my mind of like, should I just be content with just getting a, a, a structured job and living close to my family? And I think you've talked about that a little bit too, where it's like every once in a while that pops into your head. But I think ultimately when I look at certain areas of my life, a lot of the times where I've felt most dysfunctional in myself has been times when I've settled for that lifestyle. And so I, I definitely feel like I need to pursue what, what I want to pursue. And on top of that, make sure I keep a, a long lasting, fulfilling relationship with my family along the way, if that makes sense. 
Definitely. What impacts do you think it is functional family has on who we are and what we do? Or even adversity that impacts the family? What kind of role does that play on our own lives? Well, this second one is especially the, the adversity that impacts the family. I think just like in relationships, you know, think about relationships, you, you can be completely in love with somebody, but if you go through something traumatic like the loss of a child or something or, or any sort of uh, grief and loss um, within the family, I think it can be really uh, detrimental to whatever bonds that you've, you've created. And so the way that adversity plays, I, I think it's a, a lot of times how, how solid is that foundation between you and the family, which is why I think, again, to reiterate, I think it's very important for me to make sure that I'm staying in touch with my family and, and uh, maintaining the role within the family that I have. Um, because if I'm, if I'm distant and I'm separate and then we face adversity and then all of a sudden I show up, it's like, well, you haven't even been here. So what, what do you care? You know, I, I could see certain dynamics like that uh, impacting the family structure. I think also a dysfunctional family specifically. Um, I, I'm so glad and so thankful that I, I didn't grow up in one of these because I have no idea what it's like to live a day-to-day life where you're you know either scared to go home or scared to make a mistake or you know you just have no no chance of of um, really defining yourself within the family you are kind of um, left to the devices of this horrible environment and we can't control our environment so again I, I kind of wish that we had somebody to talk to who felt like they came from a place like this just to see how it impacted them but I I definitely can't even imagine what it would have been like in that situation I mean what about you yeah I, I this is one of those things where I will say I do think that everybody's family is a little bit dysfunctional and I I want to make it very clear that despite my family having a lot of things that seem very smooth like there's a lot of dysfunction that happens within it and everybody goes through uh, dysfunctional times that being said if we're going to talk about like the severity of dysfunctional and the impact that it can have like it's undoubtedly had impact on people that I've seen in my life and I think it's especially difficult when like I, I, I think that this this expands far beyond even just like your if your fun your family being dysfunctional because like if your family is more dysfunctional than like your friends' families, I feel like you can even feel more isolated um, within it too. Mm-hmm. So, because when you're going through family dysfunction, it's kind of like, well, who do you, who do you like have conversations with it about? Because you can't, well, you don't feel like your fa- your home is a safe place. You're gonna have to go to other people, so you're gonna have to have friends. And if your your friends don't come from dysfunctional families, then I feel like that could be a very difficult conversation to have because maybe they don't connect with you. So I feel like you can become very isolated in dysfunctional families, which is, I think, one of the worst parts about this is it's like, who do you go to if your core is dysfunctional? Well, you're going to have to go to probably family. And I know people who are, uh, you're going to have to go to friends. And I know people who they don't have like great extended families. So like their, their friends are like their extended family. So I think that 
the impact of being in the dysfunctional family, though, it just like it sets the tone for everything in your life. When your day to day is not a comfortable environment, like it's easy to see how people can become very, very lost because that's where you spend the, the majority of your time usually. Well, I, I, especially early on. I do think that's a good point about the setting the tone too, because a lot of our uh, personalities and our attachment styles and stuff are impacted by how we're raised through our, our uh, families and our, especially our primary caregivers. So if you have parents who aren't, you know, as a baby, you, you know, you're not being taken care of properly. You're not getting nurtured the way that you need to. That's how you're going to learn. Like that's, that's how you're going to develop relationships as well. You're, you're going to have an, a hard time keeping meaningful and functional relationships. So the idea even of having friends to rely on, I bet you some of those people probably have a hard time even keeping friends because they've learned this dysfunction and this inability to have a very um, just healthy relationship because they've grown up seeing one that's different. So that's a tough thing too. It's just this constant cycle of dysfunction. And that's, uh, I don't know, it's sad. It's, It's tough to think about. Yeah, it's especially bad because early on, like, you there's nothing you can do to escape it, really. Like, it's difficult when right. you're yeah. in your youth because that's, like, when you get done with school at the end of the day, where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back into your dysfunctional house. And then you can also see, I mean, there's a lot to back this up, but when you go through bad stuff, it doesn't, a lot of times, unfortunately, it doesn't make that person be like, you know, I went through bad stuff, so I don't want other people to go through bad stuff. A, a lot of times that is what happens, but sometimes people are just like, well, it sucked for me, so I'm going to make it suck for someone else. Like, Unfortunately, a lot of times when people go through stuff, they take it out on other people, and they're like, well, if I'm not happy, then then they don't get to be happy. And, and it's just it's unfortunate because you see people who like, they are just awesome kids, and then they just have this just horrible family situation, and they never like really recover, and it makes them have a tough time trusting people in their lives because they didn't trust their own family. Like, I just think if you don't trust your own family, it's a really, really bad precedent to set on the entire rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. So and it takes a lot to work that out of you. Like, oh, yeah. you see a lot of times, especially developing relationships, you see people who maybe came from a family where they couldn't trust their caregiver to, uh, you know, be there for them. And so when they go into a relationship, they expect that same type of love from the other person. And a lot of times it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You think, oh, they're going to leave me. So I'm just going to, I don't care how I treat them because they're eventually going to leave me anyways. Well, by that, uh, those, that behavior, you're actually pushing that person away. You see that in a lot of people who come from dysfunctional homes or, or homes of, um, you know, m- maladaptive care, and it's it's tough because if they were to just, you, basically, you need to be with someone who's incredibly patient and going to put up with a lot of shit in order to break those cycles of mistrust. Um, and it's tough. I think a lot of times you even see people who, when they look for partners in life, like they probably, I, I don't have anything to back this up, but I would, I would think a lot of times people gravitate towards dating people who have similar levels of dysfunction or function or whatever the opposite of dysfunctional family would be. I wonder if there's a, a mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like similar people who tend to gravitate towards one they can connect with more. I would well, think so. Well, there is a thought that you 
I mean, the, the common thing is that you may end up marrying your parents, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure there is an aspect of that. You know, people who maybe had parents who were abusive, you know, a lot of times you see them ending up with guys or girls that are abusive, and it's just that's what they've known, and it's it's tough to get out of those cycles again. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would think. Uh, Brandon, let's do your segment. <laughs> All right. So many of you know that segment on the Pokemon show where they go to commercial break and they say, who's that Pokemon? Well, we got a new segment here today, folks. Called Dude, I didn't realize that's what this is based around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really not, but I just figured it's who's that family. So who's I that family? I imagine you were the kid who was terrible at guessing what Pokemon Dude, I was incredible. You're like, that's the Blastoise. And they're like, it's Onyx. And you're like, oh. This joke was really worth it. I'm glad that you went with that joke. All right, do you want to go first or should I go first? Well, now I'm just bummed out. So you go first. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, here we go. This family is arguably the strongest in the universe, mostly thanks to the father. The father is actually an alien who crash-landed on Earth as a child with the purpose of destroying the planet, but because of a head injury, forgot his malicious purpose and was raised to be kind and good. Any thoughts yet? I got more hints. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so, really quick, too, just for people that are listening... These could be fictional families or real families. Obviously, this one's a fictional because we're talking about aliens here. But these are fictional families or real families, something that you would know of if you're paying attention to like either celebrities or you watch certain shows and stuff. So we're giving each other hints here and seeing if Steven can guess, and then he'll give me Dude, a fan. This is throwing me off because I, I, my thought is superhero, but now I'm... I got more hints. Okay, let's hear it. The family consists of a human mother... An alien father and two sons who are half alien, half human. What? <laughs> now I'm even thrown up. More thrown up now. The alien. This might be the one that gets that gets it for you. All right. The alien father is rarely available to take care of his sons because he's either off fighting, training, or dead. Uh. I'm thinking Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, baby! <laughs> that's that's uh, Goku's family. Uh, <laughs> I got it eventually. You fucking got it, dude. All right. Okay. You go. <laughs> okay, so this family is famous for two of its members, mostly. I'd say, like... Pretty much definitely. Um, I'll give you a hint of a couple of channels that you might have seen things involving this family. Um, no, not, I don't want to give channels. That'll give it away. Um, one of these is known more as an actor or actress, and one is known more of... As a singer. Any uh, anything coming to mind yet? Huh. An actor, actress, or a singer? <laughs> Do you have more hints for me? Yeah. Um, one of these people 
was on a Nickelodeon show, but they were actually on two two different Nickelodeon shows. Is this the Spears family? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Boom. (laughs) I didn't think you'd get it that fast. (laughs) Yeah, Brittany and Jamie Spears. Ah, dude. Damn, I didn't think you'd get it that fast. All right, here we go. This family was more... Oh, hold on. This family is arguably the most famous professional athlete family ever. The Mannings. Dang it! That's it! (laughs) 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 That was easy. (sighs) Okay, okay. Uh, I feel like this is... This is going to give it away too much. I'm not going to do this one because it's going to be too easy. So I'm going to pick one that's slightly harder. Um, This family consists of a mother, a husband, two kids, three kids, actually. (laughs) I already blew it. I already messed it up. You know who it is? No. Oh, I was like, damn, that's really fast. <laughs> that's, like, not enough information. You're just, like, yeah. giving me their family. Uh, they also have a pet. They are Patriots fans. Um, the, New, the New England Patriots? Yes, New England Patriots. Um... They uh, were first introduced to us in the early 2000s. What the fuck? Is this a fictional family? Do I have to answer that question? You don't have to, but if you want to. I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> the... There was a spin-off show that came as a result of this family's show that originated in the early 2000s, but the spin-off show happened in the 2010s. Oh, this is Family Guy. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I didn't know that they were Patriots fans. That was what was throwing me off. Yeah, that's why I included that, because I was like, how can I throw him a curveball on this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have one more if you want to do one more. Okay. 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 You should get this one, I feel like. This one I was I was nervous about using because I thought that you might use this one, to be honest. This family was more of a cult than an actual family. They lived in San Francisco and believed that their leader was a manifestation of Jesus. Well, leader is a manifestation of Jesus. <laughs> that I don't know. I was thinking of uh, Full House. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, this is not Full House. <laughs> and I was like, am I missing something? All right, go on. They committed many crimes, but most noteworthy was the murder of Sharon Tate and four others in 1969. Scooby-Doo? <laughs> what? <laughs> Scooby-Doo committed murders? What are you talking about? <laughs> am I off base? You're off base. All right. All right. Their leader had a swastika tattooed on his forehead. 
All right. <laughs> That's pretty much it. They're... <laughs> you should have this guess by now if you don't have this guess. I gave away all the most important things. Do I just not know what this is? The Manson family. Charles Manson? The, oh, the Manson family. I didn't know that was even in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Atlanta. All right, I just, I'm going to actually make up one on the spot. That's not one of the ones I picked, but I just thought about it. Okay. okay. This is primarily known, I'd say... Scooby-Doo. It's too... <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, this family is primarily known for the one family member who's the most famous. Um, we don't really know much about the parents. Um... This guy, the main person I'm talking about, uh, was first introduced to us in the early 80s. There was a movie that made about this family that was one of the biggest failures in box office history. Uh, This guy has been the cause of deaths. Is this Dahmer? No. This guy has been the cause of probably thousands of deaths. <laughs> thousands of deaths. Um, this guy, we don't know much about his drug usage except for mushrooms. I have no fucking idea. Him, that his brother, he has a brother. That's the only other sibling that we're aware of. I have no clue. <laughs> I'm doing such a good job on this one. I almost just want to keep you going, but I don't want to drag out the episode for too long. There's no way I'm going to get this. Just tell okay. me who it is. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> Dude, that was so funny. Especially to get you to guess Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, I just figured because you said deaths, and I was like, all right, he's going off of, like, the Manson thing. So dumb. <laughs> Dude, I'm so clever. This is actually my most clever idea in EMG history. Probably, but that's not really saying much. <laughs> 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 all right, folks. Well, that was Who's That Family? What do you think? Brought, brought to you by... The Everything Must Go podcast. Yeah, I liked it. It was really good. My favorite part was when I made you guess Jeffrey Dahmer for the Mario. My Brothers. favorite part was when I gave you the Manson family, the Manson family, but somehow you guessed Scooby Doo. <laughs> What's the worst guess you think? <laughs> that because you hadn't really given me anything that I could go off of for the Mario Brothers. You said he's the cause for death. Okay, Dahmer is a cause for death. I don't know anything about his family. No. Oh. Okay. Um, I also said manifestation of Jesus, and you guessed Scooby Doo. So that's <laughs> definitely a worse guess, dude. Manifestation of Jesus. All right. Do you hope or think you'll have your own family one day in the future? What is your deal with these questions? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I do hope that I do. I don't know if I will. Uh, to be honest, I mean, there's just so much that's unknown. It's like, could happen, couldn't happen. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's it's not really a priority of mine right now. So, 
which is like different than it, than my life has ever been. I think that was like my top thing that I wanted when I was younger. Um, but I just think that my goals have changed a little bit and I guess we'll just see what happens. I mean, if I meet an incredible woman and I'm just like, yeah, this is who I want to be with and she wants to be with me, I'm not going to be like, listen, these are my goals. All right. <laughs> I'm doing other shit. <laughs> so, you know, you just never know. Uh, what about you? I definitely want to have a family at some point. I mean, even if the family is just me and my wife, like let's say I don't have kids, I, I, I think that would be okay too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely want to. At some point, I think it would be, one, I think it would be fun. Two, I think it would be really cool to give back. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's one of those things where as someone who's really – wants to leave a legacy behind i feel like it would be cool to do that through having a family so yeah yeah i think so definitely all right you want to talk about this last one here <laughs> i wonder why you want me to talk about this <laughs> i think i mean it's for a lot of reasons i just i want to answer this one first That's okay why. okay gotcha gotcha good all right here we go so let's say you have a fight with a family member or you don't really get along with someone in your family do you think unconditional love is an is ne- a necessity for family? See, I'm struggling now. Do you think unconditional <laughs> love is a necessity for family, or do you think there are lines that even if a family member crosses, you'd have to remove them from your life? There is a line. I can't draw the exact line, but I if there could be something that someone did that was so terrible that I'd be like, nope, um, it doesn't matter anymore. But I do think, in general unconditional love is enough um, for a big part of this. Um, if, if you don't get along with a family member, though, I think instead of beating yourself up over it, because I feel like a lot of times that's what we do, at least people who are empathetic, um, it, it bothers us a lot. Like, It's worth trying to figure out a way to make it work. And even if making it work means not talking to them very much. Mm-hmm. There's just... The, I think it's worth going out of your way to at least, depending on what type of relationship you have built up with them, I'd say most of the time it's worth trying to find a common ground, trying to communicate, trying to figure out where the disconnect is. And I think any person who doesn't think that they can find a way to do this um, just needs to have like that hard conversation. And for people who are very reluctant to try to build back any relationships, like, oh, this person hurt me too much, like... It does suck. <laughs> like, But I think most things are worth fighting for in regards to your family in the end to try to get back to some sort of – like there's got to be nothing worse in the world than getting on bad terms with your family. Like from my yeah. experience, the bad, um, bad times that I've had – <laughs> some of the worst times in my life have been when I'm in bad terms with members of my family. It's just stressful. It hurts. It's frustrating. And I think – Putting all the communication out there in the in the open, trying to get to the root of what the actual issue is, and then trying to just move on and get get it better, <laughs> get it right, the best that you can. Yeah. Uh, but I understand for some people who have a difficult time doing this because it's harder uh, to do this when your your circumstances are more terrible. Because sometimes like really bad stuff does happen. So I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I mean there are definitely situations where it's like you don't want to enable family members. Like I could see a a situation where a family member, maybe if they were hooked on heroin or something, it's like I do have that love for you, but I can't keep 
supporting your um, your habit essentially. And in and, and that time, you can't continue to give them an out in some way, shape, or form, which is really hard to say, but it enables the behavior and enables the the addiction. So it's tough. Um, and then again, <laughs> I'm not a person that comes from that situation, so I also don't have any like actual experience or anecdotal um, arguments to say, no, you actually should be there for them no matter what. So it's just, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's, it's difficult. But what I can say coming from what I believe is a functional family, I do agree with you that there's nothing worse than when your relationship with your family just is in a really bad place. It sucks. It's like you constantly think about it. I mean, there, there have been situations where I just, things were getting real bad and I, you know, I had, I had to kind of swallow my pride a little bit a couple times. It was just like I, no matter what I might believe or I, I might not like how their my family is handling something, I'm just going to take the hit because I just I I can't not have them in my life in some way, shape, or form. And I'm sure that they've done the same thing for me. Um, so it's that's a, a I I appreciate that about my family because I know that. Um, it can get tough sometimes and it when it's tough it's real tough but uh, as far as like if there's a line that if a family member crosses you'd have to remove them from your life I think there probably definitely are um, I mean I can think of I think my my dad told me this story about uh, I think a, I don't know if it was a news anchor or somebody that's kind of well-known uh, radio host or something in Minnesota who his brother and his wife his wife had an affair on him with his brother and then his brother ended up marrying his wife so it's like that is that's a line i feel like dude like literally anyone else in the world like why do you have to marry your oh yeah well how do you even live i I don't know how you'd live with yourself if you did that like i (laughs) i wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing i just married my brother's wife or dude, like you could do oh god there's i hate when people date people who are so closely related to someone else it's like dude just literally there's like four billion other girls almost just like find someone else yeah it's tough yikes oh i don't know i i so i guess my argument there is that there probably are lines but for the most part i'd uh in my situation, I would say that I, I try to have unconditional love for my family members. You know, it, there's definitely been times I'm just like, you know, you're going to treat me this way? Well, fine. We're done. But then I'll go and think about it, and I'll be like, wait a second. Like, it's my family. I'm not going to stop my relationship with my family just because things are getting frustrating. So that's, that's kind of my, my two cents. What's that thing you say about your two cents or – no, it's about cents and dollars or something. What is it? The only kind of sense you make is pennies and quarters. Yeah. That thing. <laughs> when I was God, a kid, dude. I thought that was the funniest joke I'd ever come up with, but it's just, it's not. <laughs> well, before, uh, well, first off, any final thoughts? No, but I mean, I think that when, <laughs> I'm going to do this every single episode. It's uh, going to get funnier every time. Probably. You think so? Yeah. The, my jokes are so. like fine wine. They They get better with age. Uh, no, I, I don't have any final thoughts. I think I got everything in I wanted to say. What about you? Yeah, no, I I got everything in. I, I just want to make a comment on the fact of this is our first episode in three weeks, right, over Skype? 
Yep. Actually, a month probably feel? now because I think we took a week off before you came to Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel? Because I feel like I am like a tiny bit rusty doing it in this oh, yeah. format. Oh, yeah. I'm off for sure. <laughs> you feel I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm just like, wait a second. This is a little off. And, yeah, it's – so for, for our listeners, yeah, sorry if this one feels a little off. This is this is the thing. We're human, all right. We're gonna have we are human. we're gonna have little mistakes here. I mean, especially coming off of an episode where we were in the same room together. I feel like we were clicking. We could read each other's <laughs> body language, and now it's just like, wait, what? What the hell's going on, right? <laughs> uh, I know it's pretty funny. I, I I really did enjoy doing this topic. I thought this was a good topic. I hope that you guys got something out of this over all of the. I will say this is one of my favorite intros of any of our episodes because we start off the very top with just like so much laughing and just like <laughs> completely messing everything up. And then we go into some good clips from Tim and Gentry and from there it was just <laughs> a hodgepodge of other oh, styles shit, yeah. jokes. Got like really serious in there. This is a very inconsistent episode. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you thought you could come into this episode with something to expect, you're wrong. This is all over yeah, the place. This, this episode pretty much highlighted the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Everything Must Go podcast. Pretty much everything was all shoved into one episode here. Except for we didn't do too many weird voices. Is that something that we it. do pretty often? Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> all right, you have any recommendations? Um, I actually had recommendations in the, on the one episode that you weren't on, and I was like, this is funny, because I never have recommendations, I feel like, that are any good, and then I did. I mean, I think it was just, like, go to the Mall of America. It wasn't, like, actually good recommendations. <laughs> yeah, so your typical recommendations, like, things that are, people already probably know about or want, and you're just like, yeah, go do this. The thing that everybody Dude, already wants li- to listen, do. Listen to the Fallout Boys. Oh, my Atlanta. All right, well, I recommend season two of Mindhunter. If you haven't watched it yet, definitely check it out. Or if you haven't watched season one, check it out. I know that Steven hasn't. So um, Brandon Flippin' EP, Hammers and Strings, <laughs> Sessions 1. I don't think you can find that anymore, to be honest. <laughs> Everlasting. And whoever took the picture of the front cover must be good at art. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's about it for my my recommendations. Uh, I have a couple songs. Oh, uh, Kevin Garrett, uh, Faith You Might. Check that out. He's got a really soulful voice. And um, and then also Banks came out with a new album. I might have actually recommended this before, but specifically her song Till Now. I love it. It's really good. So, uh, The Beatles, Let It Be. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. All right, this is falling apart. <laughs> I actually feel uncomfortable with the ending of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, if you made it this far, you're a trooper. This was all over the place. Uh, <laughs> next week will probably be even more all over the place uh, because, like you heard in the beginning of the episode, we're going to have Tim and Gentry coming back to the show. We're going to be talking about time travel. So it's going to be pretty impressive. I'm really excited for it. Uh, how are you feeling about it, Stephen? I think it's going to be really good. <laughs> Good, good thoughts from Steven. All right. If you like this episode, uh, leave us a, a comment or send us a question via email, emgpod 
at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought. We can play it on the air, 513-427-EMG5. Again, that's 513-427-EMG5. Um, please leave us a review or subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify, Google Play, pretty much any of your podcast apps. We really appreciate your guys' support. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Everything Must Go podcast. Uh, don't have enough subscribers to actually have that as our like tag or anything. but We need to do a better job promoting it, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, keep in touch with us, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Take it easy. Oh,